Today's episode of Peers to Peers is powered by Shopify, the leading global commerce company that's shaping today's entrepreneurial economy. What started as three mates in a coffee shop trying to sell a snowboard has ended in thousands of employees around the world, bringing over 1.7 million businesses to life. You could say Shopify is a peer to us and entrepreneurs around the world. So peers, if you're looking to start your own business, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akidinol, founder of Leading Australian Podcast Agency and 2021 Australian Podcast Awards finalists, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer to peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way, pursue your passion, and why there's really nothing better. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. When have you turned a failure into a lesson, peers? For today's guest, it was when he thought he was doing the right thing that a major breakthrough arrived, a breakthrough that would change the course of his life and business forever. In today's episode, we sit down with Shahar Rafayat Chaudhry, the co-founder of Footsteps Bangladesh, who shares how he created an organisation that's restructuring communities, his journey with experience-based charity work and the value of figuring out how to solve big world problems. For those of you who haven't yet posted about our podcast on your socials or if you're new here, firstly, welcome. And please do take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at the Peers Project, so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs and help us on our mission to empower you all to pursue what you're most passionate about through entrepreneurship. Okay, peers, without further ado, welcome, Shaha. Shaha. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much, Michelle, for having me over here. I'm excited as well. Of course. You and I recently connected and when I looked into you and all of the incredible work you're doing in social entrepreneurship and, you know, being a next-gen humanitarian, I knew I had to have you come in the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to this. Awesome. So look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'm an environmentalist and social entrepreneur by profession. I actually started a nonprofit or a next generation organization called Footsteps back in 2013 when I was 17 years old. 
And the work that we do is basically very simple. We find marginalized communities across Bangladesh and we then solve their social challenges, be it with safe water access, be it with climate action, public health, etc. But what we do is like once we set up the solution, we then train the communities on how to maintain these solutions, both financially and technically in the long run, so that they don't have to depend on donors anymore. So our main mission, be it through like safe water access, be it through sanitation, public health, etc. What we try to do mainly is to empower communities in such a way that we transform their mentality from being dependent on aid to being self-resilient or self-reliant. Because at the end of the day, if you want to eradicate absolute poverty from the world, it has to be in a stage where the communities can depend on themselves, where they're independent. And that is the work that we've been doing through Footsteps for the past nine years. We'll turn 10 next year, which is a big milestone. Oh, Shah. Oh, my goodness. 10 years next year. Absolutely massive, I think, for any entrepreneur, let alone a social entrepreneur. You know, such a massive feat. And I can't wait to dive deeper into what the last nine years were like for you. But before we do, I'd love to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing, and that is, where did you grow up and how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? I'm glad you asked that question. So I grew up in Dhaka, which is the capital of Bangladesh, and it is one of the least developed countries in the world. And growing up in a country like Bangladesh, you see so many problems happening around you. You see so many people going through the daily hardships of life it kind of gets your blood boiling that you want to jump right into it and want to do something about it, right? Imagine if you're in a country where you're seeing all these problems going around you, and then you are also watching all these superhero movies who are trying to save people across the globe. So when I was growing up, my favorite superhero was actually Captain Planet. So I actually wanted to be like him when I grew up. But, you know, it was always my dream that, you know, I would First, go into like a professional work, be it at the UN or a large scale nonprofit. And later on, like when I was like beyond 40, I would start my own nonprofit organization. But being the person that I am, I think it was while I was in school, I was like, okay, why do I even have to wait? Why can't I jump into it right now? Because until you take the first step, you never know what will happen, right? So it was a risk I was ready to take because. It was my dream to help the people in my communities overcome the problems that they were facing in their daily livelihoods. I saw a purpose in that. I love that you talk about finding your own purpose. And at such a young age, oh my goodness, Shard, like thinking about that growing up is quite advanced. You know, as a child, what do you remember most seeing around you? You know, was it just that poverty and that real hardship? And I guess in what ways did that shape you and I guess help build that purpose that you talk about? Interesting that you say that. Everything that I do or everything that the people at Footsteps does is basically experience-driven. The organization itself is experience-driven, meaning that whatever we experience on ground, that bothers us to like solve that issue right then and there. So as I was growing up, the most common scenario that you would see is like if you're walking by the road, you would see so much pollution going on, especially when it comes to landfill. You know, you would also see like there's so much traffic going on. 
background story is my dad's also an environmentalist. So when I was younger, he actually used to take me to like different expeditions for work around Bangladesh. And I remember once he took me to this area where a lot of people were suffering from arsenic poisoning from basically drinking water contaminated with arsenic. And you would see like black lesions around their bodies and they were literally on a time clock because there was nothing left to do for them to survive. And I guess that what makes you like frustrated. And I tried to use that frustration to do something. It's like, these are a couple of examples that I presented to you. There are in numerous number of examples out there in numerous number of challenges that you face, especially if you're from the developing world. And if you start thinking about it from a more critical point of view or in more depth, you somehow get that motivation that now I also want to solve it. There are two types of people. There are two types of responses when you are, you know, going through an issue like this. It's the fight or flight risk, right? You either complain about the problem or do something about it. So it's easier to complain about the problem. And basically hope that somebody else is going to come in and solve it. It's much more harder if you, you actually want to solve the problem on your own, especially at the age of, what, 17, when you're just a high school kid. But I found it, like, you know, exciting and adventurous at the same time. Just the thought that, you know, I will finally be able to, like, go on ground and do something about the problems. It might not be monumental or, like, really big of a solution, but whatever I try to do, at least it'll set an example for somebody out there. You don't have to like impact thousands of people at the very beginning. Impact just one and see where it goes from there. Because even if you change one life, you still have an impact in the globe, right? And that's what goes on in my mind regarding this. How can we get better at breaking down these big social problems or any problem really into kind of that bite-sized digestible, this could be the first step that I could take. I think it can be so overwhelming, Shah, you know, to think about the problem that you were trying to tackle. Where do we even begin? Thanks for asking that. The biggest problem when it comes to solving a social challenge on its own is that we often, like, you know, overcomplicate it, which makes it overwhelming for us. Like, let's take climate change, for example. It's such a huge topic. But whenever it comes to the solution itself, we kind of get lost. So how do we tackle issues like that? Uh, For me personally, what I did is I personalized that issue, meaning that I saw that what was bothering me, how could I go in right now and solve that problem? For example, like littering itself. Like you would see like plastic bottles or like packet of chips lying on the street, right? And you'll see this almost everywhere. So what can you do to ensure that this is not happening anymore? If you think about it from a point of view, like, okay, this problem is happening across the community, then it becomes overwhelming for you. But then think about it that, okay, why don't I try to solve the problem in my area first or where I'm staying first? I set up a trash can over there. So that I myself can throw the waste right there. So if you create a solution for yourself, you can start building a solution for others as well. So always personalize the social challenge so that if you are facing the problem, how would you solve it? And how would you replicate for others as well? This is the path that I usually take. 
So valuable, Shah. So, so valuable. So take us back to that 17-year-old. I mean, so young. I think you were also studying at the time in the US, if I'm not wrong, at Penn State. You know, talk to us a little bit about, at that time, the decision to develop your business and your, you know, not-for-profit and where you even began at that time. When I was 17, I was actually in high school. And I remember after like a couple of experiences in 2013, I went abroad for a bit for climate leadership training by Al Gore himself. So after that, I actually kind of got the courage to start my own thing. So after coming back, I remember I called five of my closest friends at the cafeteria of the school and I told them, okay, guys, I've made a decision. Let's start an organization right here, right now. I mean, we do not have any experience, but heck, why not? Let's start somewhere. And so that's when the start of Footsteps actually began. And over the next two years, you know, being young and trying to run an organization, we faced a lot of hardships, difficulties, challenges. But it was like a trial and error process. But I personally wanted to have a broader vision of what I can do, like an example. Most people actually go to college to get a degree that will help them get their jobs and stuff. My ulterior motive was actually to use that experience in college, use the resources, as well as like pay attention to the details around my community where I was studying about what makes America be America itself or what makes the first world be first world itself. So for those three and a half years, I paid attention to every detail possible. So I wasn't out there in university to have like a high GPA or like be an academic achiever. I was there to mainly learn how the communities are working, how are they solving their own social challenges? What were the steps they took to come to this position in the world itself? So when I graduated in 2018, December, I believed that I had enough knowledge and experience to come back and do something through footsteps. So that's when I came back. I caught the first flight back after my graduation. And I remember right after landing the next day, I started working on footsteps full time. So you've landed back on the ground in Bangladesh the day after you graduate from Penn State and you're ready to go. You know, you've got your organization. You want to take it to the next level. You want to be able to build it into something meaningful. What happened next? And what were those first few steps that you took to really get it off the ground? It's like a walk on memory lane right now for me. I remember right after coming back, the first intention was more people needed to know more about the organization, what was going on. So we actually started a couple of campaigns, which became viral. And it's interesting to say Footsteps was actually one of the very first organizations in Bangladesh to utilize the platform of influencers. The influencers in Bangladesh, who are really big right now, actually started their journey through the campaigns of Footsteps. So you can imagine the impact as well. We were one of the very first. So that's when a lot of people started to know about the organization, what we were doing. And then we would take different people on ground to the sites that we were working in, be it with safe water, be it with waste management, be it with public health. So we mainly concentrated on safe water accessibility through this project that we had called Project Trishna. So we were working mainly in schools, ensuring safe water for children in schools by setting up these water systems. And what we would do is that we would take people who were interested in our work to these sites. 
and what you see or read on like newspapers or social media it's so much more different when you get to see the impact with your own two eyes and that's what motivated more people to join in the mission of footsteps be it through as a volunteer be it through as a change maker as a funder as a strategic partner etc so we started slowly building up so we started expanding into more schools with more funding coming in through the people that we started taking into these communities the companies that we started taking into these communities and then it just goes on on its own right it became like a domino effect at that point that is the impact that the journey has been able to create just by taking those simple steps out there it's so cool it's so amazing shah you know, I can imagine for our peers out there listening, that sounds like you're making such, you are making such big waves, but it can be so daunting to start off with a little idea, just you, no funding, you know, whether it be at 20, 30, 50, you know, for our peers out there listening, who were you when you were 17 in 2013, trying to figure out how do I even begin? I'm so, you know, I, I have such big goals, I have such big aspirations, but how do I even firstly gain the courage to start? Secondly, what do I even do to start? You know, can you talk to us a little bit about right those early days for you starting out, you know, bring us back to that time. What were some of the issues you faced getting started, you know, and how did you navigate through them? So when we started the organization, so me and five of my other friends, six of us, we were like 17. And the first step in order to gain courage is to get like-minded people with you so that, you know, when you're working through like a dark alley, it's scary if you're going alone. But if you have some people with you, you get more courage. So that's the first step that I took. Second is, I remember I went around talking to different friends and families regarding what I wanted to do, what the organization was about. And I needed like around $40 to start it off, but nobody was ready to give me $40. Everybody was like, you know, this is just a 17-year-old kid. He's probably not serious. He's probably doing it for extracurriculum activity. So better not waste money on him. But what happened is once you start sharing your story with anybody and everybody that you find, somebody starts listening. So I remember it was this friend's mom. She calls me up to her office. And I remember talking to her about my plans and everything for like over an hour. And then she hands me like around $500. She's like, you know, get started on your dream right there. So whatever you plan to do, no matter how big the goal is, start having conversations about it with people. Show people that you're obsessed about it. And then there's always the issue with the experience. It's a young organization. Everything is theoretical. And... Larger organizations, they don't kind of take you seriously. But once you get started on the very first step and show quality, I think people start noticing from then and there on. Now that I've come to this stage, I realize that the journey itself was not that easy at all. It was extremely difficult. But the key is that if you stay motivated and if you don't give up, if you stick by it, it'll work out because during the initial days, the main issue was these guys don't have any experience. But now that we've completed nine years, bigger organizations or companies are coming up to us because we have maintained the quality for nine years with our work. When was the time that you recently failed and how did you navigate through that? 
this is not the recent failure, but the very first failure that actually paved the way for footsteps as it is. So when we started as an organization, like just six of us young people, our first activity was to distribute like blankets to poor marginalized communities in the north during winter because they were so poor they couldn't afford a blanket. We then did an entire volunteering event where 300 volunteers showed up from different schools, which was very big for us. We raised three trucks full of blankets and we went to the north. And, you know, it was going on in my mind that, you know, this is such a simple solution. If us kids can like do this much in this short amount of time with no experience, why does this problem still exist? But then I realized when we started the distribution process, why this was the case in the first place. You would see people fighting each other for the blankets. You would see a person with like three, four blankets trying to take away blanket from another person out there who didn't have any. Like these were people on the ground who we were trying to help, right? It was chaotic. It was like a scene from The Walking Dead. That's when we started thinking, why does this problem exist? Because we actually had to run away from that community because we didn't have enough blankets for that many people out there because the people just kept coming by, coming by. And that's when we start thinking every year, so many organizations are doing this blanket program for the same people over and over again. Are we actually solving the problem or contributing to a bigger one? Which is we're making them dependent on us. And that's when we change the entire trajectory of footsteps that no, we are not gonna go towards aid distribution. We're actually gonna start working with communities together on how we can create their potential so that if somebody else comes in to give them a blanket, they can be like, thank you, but I don't need it. I am good on my own. So that was the very first failure that paved the way for what Footsteps is, its mission and vision right there. So when people say that, are you the guys that are trying to solve like the safe water crisis in Bangladesh? Or are you the guys that are trying to make communities more resilient to climate change? Or are you the guys who are trying to improve public health infrastructure? We say no. Then when they ask us, then what do you do? We say we empower communities to be resilient and reliant on themselves nothing else and that is in the simplest of words what we do because of that one experience at the very start of our journey wow it's so interesting that you turned that first failure into a lesson you know for our peers out there listening who really feel a lot of shame around failure I mean I know I still do you know there are so many times during my days or during my weeks I just think why do I keep failing on a obviously on a smaller scale but you know it happens a lot it can really beat you down, make you feel like you don't know what's happening and just really discourage you. You know, how can we get better at seeing our failures as lessons and learnings? So we have to come to the decision with ourselves that we don't give up when we fail. I think the entire mentality behind failure needs to change for that certain person. Failure doesn't mean the end of a journey. Failure actually means a system loss, which gives you the chance to improve your journey even further, right? Failure is a part of life. Whatever organization, big companies that you're seeing right now, be it Apple, be it Microsoft, be it Walmart, I'm very sure it wasn't just like, you know, success after success for them to reach this point. It was failure after failure after failure that they've come to reach this point. Once you face that failure, 
you now have experience regarding this. So if anybody else is going through it, you know how to explain it to that person that this is what you'll face if you do this thing. So failure is not only a learning point for you, it also helps you to improve yourself and be a teacher for others as well. The moment you change your perspective of failure from failure as the end of the journey to being failure as something that will improve your journey even further, that's when the change will start to come. When you face a sort of a failure and you feel like there's nothing to do, you're all alone. What I do is I think about those certain experiences that makes me work in this thing for the first place, right? So I remember this was back in 2019. We were setting up this water system in the school, which was situated right beside this river called Tongi, which was heavily polluted because of industrial wastage from nearby factories, right? And the water somehow found its way and leaked into the school's main water line, which made the water's smell and taste very pungent. And the kids would not drink water from there. So when we went in, we spent two days trying to like actually figure out and set up our own drinking water station over there. Once we did, I remember the kids were started drinking water from it. And I was like actually standing a bit far away from the water system. A kid came running up to me and he goes, Haya, which means older brother, our water does not smell anymore. And that memory basically drives me whenever I'm like, you know, found in a corner. You know, whenever I feel like I'm going to give up at any point, I remember about that one single memory. And thinking that this is the reason why I've started working on this issue in the first place, to create that solution. And those one or two or like handful of memories keeps you driving forward, even through your darkest days. You have to find the reason or those experiences that makes you stay where you are right now or makes you pursue that journey you are pursuing right now. So that is from my end. I use those memories as a light source to guide me through the dark itself as a light source to guide you through the dark oh my goodness that is so powerful oh Shah, we could talk for days and days this is so interesting and i just so fascinated by your story and what you're doing but i am mindful of your time so i have a couple of final questions for you and the first one is what are three key pieces of advice that you would give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out? First thing, life gets easier after a certain point, but it also doesn't get less challenging. So you have to adapt to different stages of growth. You cannot be like, okay, if I stick by it for five years, after five years, I can just lie down and enjoy as it all goes by. After five years, you just reach a different stage as an entrepreneur where you have to grow even further or after 30 years as well. So always keep that mentality that you will always have to grow as an entrepreneur. So you cannot be stagnant. That is number one. Number two, which I mentioned before, don't be afraid of failures. Failures guide you in ways that you cannot even imagine. And number three, based on my last point, find those memories that act as your power source because they will definitely guide you. They helped me a lot, especially in times when you felt like you wanted to give up. So definitely you need to have that something that helps you overcome that feeling of being alone or giving up at the first place. So these would be my three advices right there. Such valuable advice. 
Look, Char, before I ask you the final question, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the incredible work you've done and that you're doing, you know, for showing us and particularly us you know, young, ambitious millennials that if we have this vision, this goal and this dream, no matter how big it may be, how wild and crazy it may seem, no matter how young we are, we can go out there and make it happen and we can make a difference. And so for that, we really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Of course. So the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, and that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? That's a very philosophical question, and thanking you for asking me that. So in terms of value, you have to set up that, what kind of a person do you want to be at the end of the day? I think after 50 years or after 40 years, where do you see yourself? Not in terms of materialistic goals, but in terms of like, as a person who you are. So do you want to be a person who's calm, who's more intellectual, or do you want to be someone who's passionate and fiercely chases behind their goals? So in terms of values, number one, whatever you do, you have to be very honest. Number two, you have to respect people out there, no matter what socioeconomic background, no matter what age group that they are. And number three, you must be empathetic about whatever you're doing out there in the world. Don't do it for money. Don't do it for status. Don't do it for recognition. But do it because you love it. Do it because you are passionate about it. Do it because it is something that you're addicted to in a way. So do it because for the love of it at the end of the day. Because if you love what you do, it won't seem like you're working for another day. Because you're doing what you love every single day for the rest of your life. So do it passionately, do it honestly, and do it empathetically. That's what I would like to say. Shah, oh my goodness. What a chat. What a conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was very insightful for me as well to be a part of this because I got to dig deep into what it was like for me in the last nine years. So thank you for that. Of course. So where can we learn more about you and Footsteps Bangladesh? So we have a website. It's footstepsbd.org. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Just search up Footsteps Bangladesh. You'll see the green Footsteps logo right there. And if you want to get engaged with us, we recruit change makers from around the world. So just go to our website and you'll find more information. And I hope you do because it's an exciting and unlearning and learning journey at the same time. So looking forward to having some people from, from this podcast over there. Amazing, Shah. We so appreciate you. We'll link that up in the show notes. Thank you so much again. Thank you again. It was a true pleasure. For everyone else listening, we will end with that. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au 
for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers. Peers.